everyone. Welcome to Meet the Rockadopolis. I'm Yes Like Rockadopolis. And I'm Lance Rockadopolis. And in today's episode, we'll pick up our discussion of Robert Greene's book, The Art of Seduction, and how his work might help us on our quest to seduce a second slave husband into our dynamic. So we're going to start where we left off. And our next seductive type is the charmer. So here's Robert Greene's definition of the charmer. Charm is seduction without sex. Charmers are consummate manipulators, masking their cleverness by creating a mood of pleasure and comfort. Their method is simple. They deflect attention from themselves and focus it on their target. They understand your spirit, feel your pain, adapt to your moods. In the presence of a charmer, you feel better about yourself. Learn to cast the charmer's spell by aiming at people's primary weaknesses, vanity and self-esteem. So yeah, I definitely did fit that definition when I was dating Vanilla. I was very empathetic. I showed lots of interest in the man I was with and what he was interested in. And it was genuine. I was genuinely interested in what they were saying. I had recently informed my future ex-husband that I would be seeing other people. So it was pretty much all on the up and up, right? I told him. I was wildly self-confident, really physically fit. I was exercising 15 to 20 hours a week. I was fucking hot. So I felt like I could afford to be generous on those dates. I really didn't have anything to prove. But eventually, I stopped pouring on the charm when I realized it wasn't doing anything for me. I could be attractive to men, but none of them were right for me. And it was only when I started exploring BDSM that I realized why none of them worked out. There was actually one vanilla man whom I saw for about a year, and he was sexy and fun and loving, and he is still just an overall fantastic human being. And that's when I realized that vanilla was never going to work for me if someone like him wasn't going to work for me. I'm wondering if you brought up the topic of BDSM. I was wondering if that was on your radar at the moment with this guy that you saw for a year. Yeah, and I didn't bring it up because, you know, at that point, I would have been really ashamed. Yeah, I came along after your evolution, so I haven't seen you be this definition of charming. I don't see any manipulation (laughs) or alteration of moods. Let me take the next one. It's the anti-seducer. The definition is, quote, seducers draw you in by the focused, individualized attention they pay to you. Anti-seducers are the opposite, insecure, self-absorbed, and unable to grasp the psychology of another person. They literally repel. Anti-seducers have no self-awareness, never realize when they are pestering, imposing, talking too much. Root out anti-seductive qualities in yourself and recognize them in others. There is no pleasure or profit in dealing with the anti-seducer. So very early in my BDSM explorations, and especially on FetLife, 
I realized that just because I identified as a femdom, that didn't mean that all the male subs were actually interested in serving me. And that when they said they wanted to serve me, what they meant was that they wanted me to serve them. And of course, that's not all male subs, right? So because I had no intention of pandering to men's kink needs just because they wanted me to, and so I did develop some anti-seducer traits in order to put these people off. I still wasn't in a place where I felt like I could just say no. Because, of course, the best way to shut up a narcissist is to just constantly interrupt them to talk about yourself. Just give it back to them. Match their narcissism with your own. Pulling out your phone can also be a really effective turnoff. But meanwhile, if I do want to continue to pursue polyandry, which I do, I need to remain optimistic that the good ones are still really out there. And so sometimes I feel like I'm perpetually walking a kind of emotional tightrope. But I know that my polyandry goals are kind of outlandish. And if you're the kind of person who wants to forge their own path, you got to expect that there's going to be work and there's going to be challenges. So I'll talk about myself as the seducer's victim We'll start off by defining what Robert Greene means by victim. Seduction is a form of deception, but people want to be led astray. They yearn to be seduced. If they didn't, seducers would not find so many willing victims. Get rid of any moralizing tendencies. Adopt the seducer's playful philosophy, and you will find the rest of the process easy and natural. I think that this is important to realize, that people want to be victims in this sense. I certainly do. Seven out of the 18 types of victims that he identifies in the book really resonate with me. The first being the disappointed dreamer. As children, these types probably spend a lot of time alone. To entertain themselves, they developed a powerful fantasy life fed by books and films and other kinds of popular culture. I did spend a lot of time alone as a child, so I entertained myself with a powerful fantasy life. I'm looking for a grand romantic life. Being in a total power exchange relationship as a slave is as exciting a life that I can think of. The next is the novice. They want to at least feel that you're somewhat young too, but are also excited by the possibility of being introduced to a new, darker world. Finding their innocence a burden, they long to be initiated in the ways of the world. Everyone sees them as so sweet and innocent, but they cannot be as angelic as people think them. My interest in BDSM and power exchange is certainly seen by outsiders as a very dark world. It is certainly very edgy, and I want to be thrown into that world, naked and defenseless, and initiated into the world like a trial by fire. And that thought is very exciting and frightening, and it ties me to the next form of victimhood, the conqueror. For the conqueror victim, you must give them obstacles to overcome, a mission and a goal. I wanted to conquer my fears. I'm all for pushing myself and becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. B 
being obedient when I don't feel like it is a very uncomfortable obstacle that I'd like to overcome. I just want to make clear that the conqueror is a victim here. It's to penetrate their defensiveness. If you give them obstacles, they'll become your victim. The exotic fetishist is a person that wants novelty, new experiences, things on the edge. You must position yourself as something exotic. This is also me. Do you think that I'm exotic? Like, supposedly, I'm rare because I'm a femdom, but that's not the same as exotic. Well, you're such a rarity that, to me, that is very exotic. So, it's not necessarily a person from a different country. Yeah, I like the idea of exoticism as something that's not necessarily always connected with foreignness in different ways, not, you know, not ethnically. Here's one from my past. The professor, they analyze and think deeply about everything, but they long to be overwhelmed by a more free spirit who can help them release their mental barrier. This would be me about 30 years ago, but over time I've gotten over me wanting to be Spock-like. Now it has been completely replaced by the desire to have a free spirit. I think part of why that has happened is because I found fitness in my early 20s. I think it helped me break free of my mental prison. What about the beauty? That's the next victim type. For seducing the beauty, you must focus on complimenting things like intellect or wit, but focusing on my body definitely helps. It's part of my motivation for working out. I do like to be appreciated for my physical attributes. Lastly, I think I'm driven by my senses, so I'm a definite sensualist. And you can definitely overwhelm me by introducing me to new sights, new smells, new touches to fully draw me in. And this is where being physically uncomfortable comes into play. And I see this closely tied to the conqueror archetype. And what I mean by that is pushing myself to being able to being beaten, constantly being teased and aroused and experiencing all those wonderful sensations of being sexually frustrated. You're a seducer type as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what type of seducer am I? I mean, do I have some power over people? That for me is a difficult question to answer. Looking over the definitions may be natural or the ideal lover. I understand that you are looking for something that is rare in this world, a submissive man, and I do want to provide that to you. So I think I'm an honest expression of your fantasy man. I'm not looking to create an illusion as the book describes. I mean, the book, like I said, seems to take a dark tone to a lot of these seducer types. But I think the more important question is, what role would I have in seducing another male sub-slave type into our relationship? That was my question in the introductory episode, and one that I think that I need to be very careful with, or question even if I need to be involved in the seduction process, especially at the beginning of a new relationship. 
I would think that I need to be there to answer this hypothetical person's question. But overall, I think I need to be really chill, encouraging, and hopefully be a good slave role model. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I think that you are the ideal man. Thank you. For me, I don't think that I could find someone better than you because you're so great, not because there aren't that many great men. You you just happen to be one of them. I'm very lucky to have you. So now I'm going to talk about myself as the victim. So the first victim type that Robert Greene talks about is the reformed rake or siren. And he says that they desperately long to escape whatever corralled them in. What's basically preventing them from being their normally freely sexual self. That's me and my marriage, which I get to escape when I leave home and spend my weekends with Lance. As soon as I turn on to the interstate, I feel like I have escaped prison. And Lance is a big part of that. The second seducer victim identity that I somewhat embody is the conqueror. I do like to have obstacles to overcome, and I have a history of overcoming obstacles, but I can also become very complacent about them. I think I go through phases with it. I do love goals, though, especially when there's already a beaten path to reaching the goals. With my current goals, though, I'm having to forge my own path and it's challenging. But it's developmental for me because it really helps me get into the habit of overcoming obstacles. I think Lance is actually much better than I am when it comes to obstacles. On the other hand, you can be intransigent when it comes to some of my commands. You've mentioned my defensiveness. I think my defensiveness is one that you've helped me understand better, so I'm grateful to you for that helping me see myself. I think it is important for me to first understand the obstacles, and that way I can figure out a plan to get around them. But we're talking about you in the role of victim of seduction. I can definitely help you conquer your obstacles, but would you find that help sexy, or perhaps the identification of an obstacle sexy? I don't know. I don't think that's it. So I'm having a hard time figuring out how I can help you be seduced by overcoming obstacles. Right, because you would have to be putting Mm -hmm. up those obstacles. Do I give you a chance to be aggressive with me or help me become more submissive, obedient, overcome my resistance? It's definitely not a conscious thing that I'm doing to help make your life more difficult or challenging, like I'm intentionally resisting. That's why I had a problem with this book, is that find the intentionality behind some of these things so dark and evil. It's like I'm not intentionally causing problems for you to overcome. Well, and it's also not really your role to do that. But I like the Robert Greene stuff, again, because it's using all of these historical examples. There are a lot of wicked people out there who actually did accomplish quite a bit. I'm not saying that I'm wicked, but wickedness is a part of human history. So the last victim type that I identify with to a certain extent is the Rue. The Rue type is experienced in life, and they desire to educate someone more naive. That's definitely me. First of all, I love sharing knowledge and sharing my experiences with people. 
And I love it when men show interest in my educational background and my life experience. What I don't like is the standard idea that slaves need to be trained. Training implies rote learning, like repetitive actions. It's the term training that I don't like. I'd rather educate an individual on what Mm -hmm. I want from them. So last week you said that you should have offered a play session to that young man. Maybe something could start with a play session. It may not be quote, slave training per se, but reaching out like that seems very positive to me for the sake of your own, you know, enjoyment and willingness to share something about yourself. Maybe something could start with a play session. It may not be, quote, slave training per se, but reaching out like that seems very positive to me for the sake of your own, you know, enjoyment and willingness to share something about yourself. Um, no. <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to put up with a bunch of bullshit. I've never been super interested in giving people no strings attached play sessions. And right. you know that. Femdemonium is a very specific context for that. Okay. I mean, I definitely would be more likely to do that at Femdemonium than to like contact someone on FetLife or have someone contact me and then just set mm. up a place. Sure. Because right. we've done that before. Have them come over to your house and they all end up being assholes. <laughs> 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 they don't. They don't. And I mean, right. it never goes anywhere. I think it's clear that I don't want to be like a vanilla woman who fucks a man hoping that he will start a relationship mm. with her. Sure. The play session is right. the kinky version of that. I mean, I've been around the block a few times and I'm not going to, Okay. I'm not going to give away the milk for free. So regardless of the seduction strategies that I may use on a prospective slave, nothing is going to happen without chemistry. And in my experience, chemistry isn't something that can be planned or controlled. Either there's a spark or there isn't. And when there's a spark, you usually feel it within a couple of minutes of meeting the person. So what I like most about the book is that it's based in the humanities. Green is sourcing all of this material from canonical art and literature and historical accounts. And so he's connecting us to a much bigger picture of human need and human longing. So this concludes our discussion of the art of seduction. In our next episode, we'll discuss age gap relationships. Until then, have a great week. Thank you.